streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning. We are here this morning to take communion and to bless the Lord for this wonderful day. And so I want you to open your Bible into the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians. 
And he says, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Heavenly Father, we thank you. That by the taking of the bread, God, we come before you in this holy moment of communion. Oh Lord, we, we bow before you this morning for all the needs of those who are struggling, those who are suffering, those who are, God, crying in their living rooms by themselves this morning for the life of a loved one that they've lost. Father, we remember those in New York City, that families of those that died last night. God, comfort them by the power of your Holy Spirit. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Oh God, there are many broken bodies, Lord, everywhere. But nothing like when you gave yourself to us on Calvary. Lord, as we celebrate Easter this last week, I thank you, Lord, that those of us who serve the Lord and 24-7 are experiencing, God, an outpouring of your Spirit throughout the earth. I thank you, Lord, that your broken body has caused Brazilians to come out of their churches and line them up six, ten feet apart on streets that surround their church, kneeling down, God, as traffic passes by. Saints of God are crying out today. Africa and Europe, all over the United States and UK, in America, God, people of God are coming together in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for your broken body. In the same manner, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this, is, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. Lord, I'm a Protestant. I'm not a Catholic. But I want you to know that as my brothers and sisters that are Catholic, I do put a heavy emphasis on your blood. For it is, God, through your blood, through your suffering, dying on the cross of Calvary, that my sins are forgiven. You are my Passover, Lord Jesus. You are my gentle, sweet Passover. You are the one who is through your blood took the angel of death from my home and forgive my sins every single day. Oh God, I thank you, Lord, that in me 
the Lord of life in His precious blood. Save my soul from hell. And I give you glory and honor for that wonderful privilege. I thank you, God, that you chose me for, for your word says salvation is not of ourselves, it's a gift from God. And I know God now, it's not of anybody. It wasn't there somebody who came in and made sure that I was saved. You came into me because you chose me to be saved. And you saved my soul through your precious blood. And so this morning, Lord, I thank you from the bottom of my heart that you chose me and you saved me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup. How often? For the whole month uh, of uh, April, God, we're going to be here taking communion every single day. You show the Lord's death until He comes. Thank you, Father. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you come and take your communion this morning? Bless America, God. Father, bless America, God. Bless the United States of America, Lord. Bless the United States of America. All over our ministry this very morning. Hundreds of people are kneeling down in front of this computer. Bless America, God. Bless our country. Bless President Trump, advisors, Mike Pence, the Senate, the House of Representatives, the cities that have been broken down. Bless New York City, Lord God. The state of New York, oh God. Bless it. Oh, Heavenly Father. Bless the hospitals, the health care workers, 
All the doctors, Lord, that are, that are there. Mount Sinai Hospital. Like a bone fire. Bless him, God. Oh, God Almighty. Father, the places where we go throughout the world. Bless Peru. Bless Brazil. Bless Cuba. Bless the stop of RBM. Heal, God. And we call your attention, Lord. We, we remember, Lord, uh, 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 we bring into your presence the names of Hannah Odeorn and Haley Odeorn. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit of the Almighty God. Amen. Good morning. God is good and faithful. And as we look at John chapter 6, beginning verse 22, following Pastor Rick's teaching, as Jesus walked on the water, we're going to see that the scene begins to move away from focus on the disciples to focusing on the crowds. Because Jesus just finished feeding... Uh, 5,000, minimum 5,000 people, probably a lot more, right? We know that. And so, in verse 22, it moves the scene, and the first three verses is kind of the setup, and then Jesus begins this sort of question and answer scenario with the people. And we won't get to the end of it. At the, by the end of chapter 6, uh, there's a lot of verses, uh, a lot of people decide to leave Jesus. But this is the beginning of that interaction between Jesus and the people. And we're in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 22 is where we begin. And I'll just read the first three verses, and then we really get into how Jesus is going to try to help the people renew their thinking towards God and towards the person of Jesus to understanding that... Uh, Jesus is one that's greater than the prophet Moses. In fact, everything that Moses did with the manna from heaven and all that was just a, a, a prophetic act of God in the Old Testament that was a type of foreshadowing of the person of Jesus. So in verse 22 it says, The day following, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there, save that the one whither into the disciples were entered, that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone. That's the King James, King James Version of saying, they saw the disciples get in the boat and leave, but Jesus wasn't there. And Jesus was gone now too, so they're confused. Howbeit there came other boats from Tiberias near unto the place where they did eat bread, after that the Lord had given thanks. So this is all the crowds that Jesus had fed with the miracle. Um... When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. Okay, so that's the setting is Jesus just fed all these people and now he's gone and, well, they want to go find him. <laughs> Who wouldn't, right? And so when they found him, we're in verse 25 now, okay, and when they found him on the other side of the sea, meaning Capernaum, they said unto him, Rabbi, 
When did you come here? So that's the first question that they ask him. Now we saw Jesus previously, like with Nicodemus, a lot of times people will ask him a question in the Gospels and he will give them an answer that has nothing to do with the actual question. But what he's actually doing is he's answering what he discerns in their hearts. Oh, okay. That is the prophetic ministry of Jesus. Now, that as a minister of the gospel is a not an easy place to come to. Being able to replicate that behavior of Jesus. Okay, because... I mean, I'm, I, I miss it all the time still, and I'm still working on that because, you see, when somebody, as a minister, somebody asks you a question or gives you a piece of information, you have to understand that that, that that person, the question or what they're saying, might not be what's actually in their hearts. They're hiding what's actually in their hearts, and so you have to depend on the Holy Spirit. If you really want to minister to what the person is dealing with in their heart, in their spirit, then you have to have a discernment of the Holy Spirit into that person so that what they are feeding you does not guide your ministry to them. Because then you're useless and they are directing your steps instead of the Lord. Because you're depending on their reaction or what they say to guide what you say. So Jesus, they ask Him a question. How'd you get here? Well, Jesus says... You want to say something, Pastor Rick? Okay. So Jesus, though, in verse 26, answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, You seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat the loaves and were filled. In other words, uh, Jesus sees inside their hearts that it, they're, they're really not that interested in how he got there. <laughs> you know, they might be a little confused about it, but that, 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 they don't really care about that. See, Jesus just Jesus just gave them a free meal, and they want another one. That okay? That that's really now. Am I judging the people here? Well, no, because many times my mo- my motives in coming to Jesus are not pure as well. If I have to be honest, okay. So it's not it's not whether or not I am pure in my heart all the time and these people are not. That That's not the case here. The case is, am I going to allow Jesus to pierce my heart when I come to Him with a need or a problem? And Because a lot of times when we come to Him in prayer, the things that we present to Jesus are, are not at all what He wants to deal with. You know, John, well, that reminds me of Wednesday night covering His Supper. <laughs> That's good right there. Man, I grew up on, on green bean casserole. I grew up on green bean casserole and LaGrange, Georgia, First United Methodist Church. And we had the fellowship hall and they'd come with the glass dishes with the green bean casserole and the fried chicken. And it was awesome, man. Casseroles galore and macaroni and cheese, right? And I couldn't wait for that. That, that was church to me, right? And, but... Jesus is then so Jesus sort of discerns their heart and speaks to it in verse 26. But then verse 27, he begins this process of trying to help them reorganize their priorities. 
Okay? He says, Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for that meat which endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him has God the Father sealed. Okay? So, the people were filled with a meal. And honestly, that's a big deal for, for those folks because it was, it was hard for the common person to get a decent meal. You had to work all day. And they did you know, sometimes at my house we make bread in this bread machine that I think somebody gave us. And you put the flour and everything in it, you plug it in, and in three hours you have a loaf of bread. Well, that's not how it was done during these days. It, it was hard work to get a loaf of bread, and here Jesus is just producing it. And so the people are saying, oh, we want more of that because we have to, we, we have to spend a lot of time and work really hard to get a meal. And so, will you please continue to provide this earthly sustenance for us? Well, let's translate that into today. Okay, because today, for me, it's not... Can I get a loaf of bread? Because I got a bread machine, I plug it in, I get a loaf of bread. Okay, for us, what is it? Okay, is is my rent going to be paid? Or a mortgage, or whatever you have. Are my bills going to be paid? Right? And so, uh, am I going to be able to pay my health insurance? Am I going to get sick and have all these health bills pile up that I'm going to be in health debt? for Th- Those are the real fears that we have. And so... Uh, as we look at this verse, it's okay to trust in Jesus for those things and ask Him to continue to provide, but if that is what is occupying our minds as we come to Him all the time, in other words, if we are constantly just begging Jesus to pay our bills, then what He's saying is, we missed it. Because He's saying, earthly provision is no problem for me. That's a problem for you, for me, for us. But for Jesus, that's not a problem. And we were actually just talking about that here uh, before we began our, our Bible study, a communion time, was that during this time where most nonprofits, everything is going down and they have to lay off people, uh, money has been coming faster than it ever has. And it's like the Lord is just saying, I'm going to pay the bills, and if I'm paying the bills then that means that I want you to be thinking about the ministry I've called you to to the people who are broken and hurt because I'm going to pay the bills. That's not a problem for me. I can do that. So begin to think beyond just the basics of life. That is what what I see here. It's Jesus saying to the people, look, you're thinking about that which perishes, earthly sustenance, daily provision and all those things. But see, there is something much greater that I have in in my heart for you, my people, that if you can see that I can provide all, all of the earthly stuff, then I have a lot more in store for you. Can we, as people, as followers of Jesus Christ, begin to allow Him to reorganize our thinking to go beyond that, beyond the the earthly, what's in front of us, the just daily sustenance. Because that fear cripples us 
from being able to really be able to be ministers of the gospel, to be followers of Jesus Christ. So, now that everlasting life, that that uh, mode of putting your priorities into the person of Jesus, it comes when we begin to seek Him, the person of Jesus Christ, and not our idea of who Jesus is. Okay, let me say that again. Because I know everybody's being a little distracted there. So let me say it again. Because honestly, this is something that I have to come back to all the time, just in my life in general. Is that it's not my understanding of the person of Jesus that really brings any life. Because see, all of us have an idea of who Jesus is. All of us have an idea of who Jesus is in our minds. We have formed an understanding of Jesus in our minds. But see, that all of us are off in that. It's, half of it is right and half of it is just what we made up. You know? And so, there has to be a surrender to say, Jesus, it's not my intellectual conception of who you are that is going to bring any sort of life. It's actually... You, Jesus, the person of Jesus who is going to give me life, renew me, strengthen me, lead me, help me know how to pray for my family, help me know how to fulfill my call in this life. And so as we come to Jesus, there has to be a surrender to say, Jesus, I want you, for for Him has God the Father sealed, for it's the person of Jesus that God has His hand over him and has approved. Not my idea of who Jesus is. And that's what the people were struggling with. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? So their minds are thinking of, Okay, you want to talk about this everlasting life and the Father and stuff, so what do we got to do? Um, because that's the, the mentality, the religious mentality, right? What, what do we do? How, do? how does this work? And Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe on him who sent on on him whom he has sent. And so here we have Jesus just as he said to Nicodemus, as he said to the woman at the well, as he said it says re- repetitively over and over again that it begins with faith in Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And as we put faith in Jesus, then he begins to work things out. But you can't achieve it by uh, putting together any sort of plan to do these pious acts or do these things. In other words, we do a lot of things around here in the ministry. We're working all day long. We're doing uh, accounting. We're doing websites. We're calling people to come on trips. But those are not the things that actually bring everlasting life. It's the presence of Jesus in our hearts and in this office that brings life. It's the presence of Jesus in that little room in Brazil that actually brings life to the people when they surrender to God and they have a breakthrough. That is what actually brings life. It's the presence of Jesus, the person of Jesus. And so, that is activated by faith is what Jesus is saying. 
That's activated by faith. They said to him, What sign do you then show that we may see and believe you? What do you work? In other words, uh, they're saying, Okay, what you're, you're, you're making some pretty uh, powerful claims here, Jesus. But if we're going to believe you, we need to see something to prove that we should actually believe what you say. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, and as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. In other words, we don't believe you're greater than Moses yet. Okay, You, you fed 5,000 people on an afternoon. Moses fed uh, hundreds of thousands of people for 40 years. So you haven't proven to us that we should believe you over Moses yet. Okay? Is what they're saying. But see, Jesus says to them once again that they don't understand the manna as a prophetic foreshadowing of the true bread that is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Because he says, Then Jesus said to them, Very verily I say to you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven. In other words, it's not Moses. It's not whether I'm greater than Moses or not. That, that's, that's, you're asking the wrong question. I am greater than Moses. And so a lot of times that's, you know, that that's trips people up. Uh, they, they have their own things. They say to God, prove to me that I should believe you. Whatever it is. Prove to me that you're greater than Moses. Prove to me that you're greater than, you know, my sin. Prove to me that you're greater than that hurt that... I experienced when I was a child in my family, my father, my mother, my uncle, my grandfather, my grandmother. Prove to me that you're greater than that. Prove to me that you're greater than this great country of America. Prove to me, yeah, all of our concepts, anything that sort of... And so we want God to prove Himself to us before we believe in Him. But that's literally impossible. That's the exact opposite. The first step is by faith. Now, God is so merciful and kind. I mean, Lord have mercy. If 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 He uh I mean if God judged us all uh based on our first reaction, then we none of us would have a chance. So God gives us time, you know. I want to believe that a lot of these people at the end of chapter six who left Jesus ended up coming back. Just as uh just as Peter did. Just as Nicodemus, we know, did. Right? Just as, uh, um, well, yeah. So, all disciples. Very, very, I say unto you, Moses gave you not the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God, okay, so now Jesus is trying to redefine their understanding of God trying to present Himself to the people. For the bread of God is He which comes down from heaven. In other words, the bread of God is a person. And the manna was a foreshadowing, prophetic act, a prophetic, miraculous act of God through the prophet Moses to say that a true bread that gives everlasting life will come one day. And that's found in the person of Jesus and gives life unto the world. So now, Jesus has begun to, to try to expand their view outside of Moses giving bread so that the people could live for 40 years to God the Father is giving His Son, Jesus, 
as giving life to the world. So he's just opening, trying to open their minds to so much more than their understanding of who God is and the heart of God. And we get to that in the very end. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. The first I am saying of Jesus. The seven I am sayings. I am the bread of life. So, he finally clarifies here, no disguise. I am the bread. Me, the person of Jesus, am the bread. He who comes to me shall never hunger. Obviously, he's not talking about... He's trying to get them out of the idea of uh, an earthly hunger to a spiritual hunger. He's obviously not talking about our bellies and wanting a piece of chicken. He's talking about our souls, our spirits. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Of course, we think of the woman on, at, the, at the well, right? He talks about never thirsting because you have uh, living water. And so now he's saying you have life, the life-giving bread. And of course, this is so powerful to me today. And, I, and I'll end. I can't go to verse 40, which I wanted to, because we're taking communion every day. So Jesus is obviously reminding us that when we take the bread and dip it in the cup, we are saying, you are my life. I have nothing without you. If I don't have you in my life, Jesus, I might as well go work at Walmart, as Pastor Rick says, right? Because I desperately need Jesus every day. And if it wasn't for His forgiveness and His sacrifice on the cross and the life-giving Spirit that He poured out into us, then we have nothing. And so thank you, Jesus, for saving my life. Thank you for saving Betty, for saving Matt, for saving Pastor Rick, for saving Kathy and Cindy and Frankie and Felipe and Celio and everybody in Brazil and, and Mary Lucy and my family, God. Thank you that you are our life-giving bread and that we can come to you daily and receive the life that we need, Lord God. So where there is death trying to creep into our minds, where there is death trying to creep into our souls and make us feel down and depressed, we come against that and resist it in Jesus' name and receive the life-giving power of Jesus Christ. Say that prayer. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the darkness. Resist the depression. Resist the cloud that wants to come and hang over your life and over your head and over your home. Resist it. And God will come and break through with His power. In Jesus' name, see you tomorrow at 9 o'clock. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.laterrain.com for more teachings. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.laterrain.com for more teachings. See you next time.